This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. All right, here we go. Psalms chapter 63, verse 8. Reading from King James Version today. My soul. Everyone say my soul. Everyone say my soul. And you ready? Watch this word. It's a little King James Version. Followeth. Followeth. My soul followeth hard after thee, and thy right hand upholdeth me. The two words we're focusing on, the series is called followers, but there's that other word that leads into it, soul. You're made up of body, soul, and spirit. Your body loves the things of the earth. It loves the things of nature. It lusts for the things of nature. Lust of the eye, lust of the, of, of, of the flesh, the pride of life. Your body has cravings. Your body wants to do what it wants to do at all times. And then on the other spectrum, your spirit's what connects to God. And you hear the voice of God. You feel what you just felt in worship. You felt that pull when I read from Luke 19. That was your spirit feeling that. And stuck right there in the middle is the engine that drives your life. It's your soul. Your soul or your emotions. It's your feelings it's your thoughts it's your planning it's your strategizing your mind your soul really calls the shots so how does all that work if I think towards my body's pleasure I will continue to do things the natural way which is the sin way if I think towards the spiritual things My spirit will trump what my body's wanting. It's called discipline. I will live a Christian disciplined life. If my thoughts are based on the word of God and led by the spirit, my body will fall in line. Nobody lives an out of control physical life. Your body does what you ask it to do. So it is that if your spirit is in control, You will live a disciplined life. Can I get an amen? Amen. So, my soul needs to follow Jesus. I need to think Jesus. I need to read Jesus. I need to commune Jesus. I need to talk to Jesus. I need to listen to Jesus. I need to interact. I need to fellowship with Jesus because I I want to live a life of victory. So, today, we've been working from one word subtopics. And, and, and anybody remember week number one subtopic? Anybody in the room? Consecration. Whoever that was, uh, you need a high five. Last week, Pastor Dustin taught one word. Anybody remember it? Dedication. One same person. Thank you, Kara, for being here. And, and you are valedictorian today. And all of us would cheat off your paper. Today, my one word is destination. Destination. Consecration. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I've got to set myself apart from the world's ways. I've got to go all in with Jesus. Pastor Dustin led us to believe and understand and see the wisdom in. If I'm going to follow after Jesus, I'm going to have to dedicate my life to him. And now today, if we're going to follow Jesus, I want to tell you where we're going. Okay? Watch this. 1963. This really smart meteorologist, a graduate of MIT, his name is, is Edward Lorentz. 
presented his hypothesis to the New York Academy of Science, and it was known as the butterfly effect. Some of you are familiar with it. If, if you're not, you're totally familiar with the hypothesis. This guy was doing this meteorology study time and time and time and again, and he wasn't even studying what he came to know. He was looking for something else. And he had to put an equation into his software program, and that number he would always enter was this number, 0 0.506127, 0 0.506127, 0.506127. He would always enter that, and he was looking for, for scientific measurements of, of the weather and the climate. One day he got in a hurry, and he just said, I'll just round it off. 0 0.506 and he left it alone and that one decision completely blew him out of the water because it brought forth massive results which came to be known in the science world as the butterfly effect just that one change of measurement it equated to a puff of wind that a butterfly's wings creates. Equivalent to a butterfly's wings. But this is what he found. A butterfly's wing in Brazil could actually result in tornado winds in Texas. I feel like shooting some butterflies, everybody. I'm tired of them Texas tornado. Texas tornado. I'm tired of the Texas tornadoes. <laughs> Keep blowing me. Come on. Everybody knows it. Don't act like you don't. Okay? Here's the thing. It was such a powerful uh, revelation that one change, one puff of wind could literally down the line, down the line, create that kind of massive result. Here's my point today. You do not have to change a hundred things in your life to get better results. You just need to be 100% committed to one change in your life. And that one change is following Jesus. This is what we do. I need to change that. I need to change this. I need to change them. I need to change him. I need to change her. I need to change this and that. And, and the next thing you know, you're overwhelmed with everything you see that needs changed. Anybody live long enough to know you can't change him? You can't change her? Nudge your neighbor. <laughs> I can't change you. I can't change anything. I can't change them. The only thing I can change is me. And what needs to change, I need to follow Jesus. If you will become a Jesus follower, not a church member, not a tither, not a singer, not even a preacher. You can do all of that and still not be a true Jesus follower. If you follow Jesus, you will see the changes you need in all the other areas. Where we get mixed up is we want to take our tool bag and we want to change everything except the main thing. And the main thing is wherever it is you've been getting, it's because you've been following whoever's been taking you there. It's time to change who you're following. Not the crowd, 
not your feelings, not your spouse, not culture. You got to follow Jesus, everybody. And he will take you where you need to go. Can I get a big amen? One of the great examples of someone willing to follow Jesus is someone that I brought to the pulpit and mentioned him on the very first Wednesday of the year, this year. During our first Wednesday services, which by the way, if you're a guest today, the first Wednesday of every month, we're here in this room together. The other Wednesdays, I do a Bible study. Our youth do their, their, their time together. We do small groups. But on first Wednesday, there's always a, a message preached and worship had. On the first Wednesday of this year, I talked about a man that hardly anybody in the room ever heard of. His name was Shamgar. So for all of the women that are expecting your babies, don't name him Jack, Steve, Lucy, or Sally. Shamgar. We need another Shamgar in Burleson. So this guy's name is Shamgar. And what a unique man. You got to understand the context. Judges. Judges chapter 3, verse 31. Judges 3, verse 31. We see the story of Shamgar. It's one sentence. One sentence. And it is, he once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Now let's talk about this real quick. Israel was in disobedience. Now I'm going to do a little parenting right now. I'm going to help all of us moms and dads. There is a cleanup when there's disobedience. Disobedience breeds fallout. You can't live a disobedient life and not expect to have a whole bunch of mess to pick up later. In other words, if you just do things out of obedience in the word of God, you'll be all right. If you're determined, if you're just determined to live disobedient to the word of God, I, I just get ready. You're going to need a lot of people in your world to help you juggle all the stuff that you get into. We don't have to overcomplicate this. Following Jesus brings us to good places. Disobedience to following Jesus brings us into places that get messy. I'm preaching better than you're responding. I just knew every mom and dad was going to be like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. About time somebody said it. Disobedience creates a fallout, man. Good choices, good things happen. Bad choices, you get slapped by life over and over and over again. Israel were disobedient people. And because of their disobedience, now they have a new rule. Their rule or their ruler is the Philistines. And the Philistines are mean. They've got muscles where they shouldn't have muscles. Their breath is awful. They love to kill. They love to steal. They love to bring destruction. The Philistines were mean people. And they cowarded down the people of God. So much so that the people of God wouldn't come out during daylight hours. They were scared to death of the Philistines. But there was this one cat by the name of Shamgar. He was a follower. He said, I'm not going to live my life in fear. I'm not going to run around scared of these people. I may die, but I'm just not going to be a coward. So I'm going to wake up in the morning to my same alarm clock. 
I'm going to drink my same two cups of coffee. I'm going to check my morning news. I'm going to say hello to my family. And I'm going to go right outside to my field. And I'm going to tend to my sheep and my goats like I always do. And however, whatever happens is going to happen. And to the culture, that's disobedient. We're supposed to be hiding. We're supposed to be scared. But to the calling of God, he was being obedient because he said, I will not live in fear. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to be doing. So sure enough, Shamgar wakes up. He puts his coveralls on and pulls his boots up and uh, rinses his cup of coffee out, wipes his face and, and, and walks outside to his fields and starts working his sheep and working with his goats. And sure enough, here it comes. One old Philistine says, hey, fellas, we got us a, a, a little dude that thinks he's big and bad. Let's go teach him a lesson. And they started sizing Shamgar up, and, and they thought, well, let's just do it right. Let's just show Israel how mean we are. So they got 600 Philistines. And there's this one little fella named Shamgar. Vegas would love that kind of action. What are the odds? One man named Shamgar up against 600 Philistines. The difference is the one man was following in obedience. And with you plus God, you'll always be the majority. You on your own, good luck. You plus God will always be the majority. Shamgar finds himself down on the field. He looks up. It's like that old Western movie. He looks up and there's those nasty Philistines. And he's like... Mmm, it's about to get real. And he's looking. There is no, there, you know, he, he, he doesn't have an AR rifle. He doesn't even have a handgun. He doesn't have a missile launcher. He doesn't even have friends. He's looking around. He's got some sheep. He's got a couple goats. And then he looks on the ground and he finds a stick similar to a today's cattle prod. It's called an ox goat. Here's the little secret in this. Sheep require shepherd. A shepherd has a staff. Sheep are so sweet and friendly. And they eat the little grass. And the shepherd takes them to the next pasture. And they just just love each other. But then a goat? A goat eats cans. And chews the brick off your house. Will eat the tailpipe off your truck. Goats don't need a shepherd. They need a kick in the rear end. So he has his little staff with his little sheep. And then he picks up the stick and just slaps the fire out of the goats. Because goats don't need a shepherd. They need a whipping. And he's looking and he sees the Philistines. And he says, goats, y'all just be sweet. Just be sweet. Eat your grass. Uh, I mean to the sheep. And then he looks at the goats. Just, Just do whatever you do. I need my stick. And he takes his stick. And 600 Philistines charged down on Shamgar. Dude goes Jackie Chan on him. <laughs> Just lights him up. Bruce Lee from the 70s and the 80s. He takes that stick. And man, he's pulling hamstrings. I mean, he's doing the number on him. And kills 600 Philistines. I didn't finish the scripture. The Bible says he once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. His one decision, the butterfly effect. Ready for the last part of the scripture? 
thereby saving Israel from disaster. His one decision brought lasting generational results. And I'm preaching to a service today that the majority of us, we're, 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 either, we're either paying for college for kids or we're raising kids in diapers. The majority in this service, you've got someone you're tending to. If nothing else, I'm preaching to a service that you're a part of a church that you're looking at the next generation sitting around this room. And can I tell you something today? You can't afford to live in fear of our culture another day. You can't hide out at night and in the daylight. You can't be ashamed of your faith and of the gospel. It's time to wake up. It's time to be followers. It's time to pick up the sword of the Spirit. It's time to pray down strongholds. It's time to tear down dysfunction. It's time to rage war on the enemy of our future. Because your decision to follow, Father, your decision to follow, Mother, would literally dictate the health of your family down line. Everybody wants to highlight generational curses. Can I just highlight some generational blessings for a moment? The more you pray today, the more you've got some faith built up for tomorrow. The more you serve now is the more the example you're showing your children later. I asked for decaf and think they played a joke on me and gave me some regular. I've got the shakes up here right now. Like, oh, wired up. Let me tell you something, man. We're just one decision away from everything changing in our families. One decision away from everything changing in Burleson, Mansfield, Alvarado, Crowley, Fort Worth. One decision. What's the decision? Not to pray more, give more, serve more, sing more. All of that comes when we decide to follow Jesus. Here's the struggle. I want to follow him, but I don't think I'm qualified to follow him. Why, don't, why do you feel that way? Because, man, you're, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't have it all together. I may be sitting in this room today, but, man, I say things I shouldn't say, go places I shouldn't go, do things I shouldn't do. I grew up with it being said this way. You don't come to God to get good. Said that backwards. You don't get good to nor hush. If you want to eat lunch with me, you stop laughing at me right now. I'll send you home with somebody else today, girl. I'll pick up an ox gold right now and wear somebody else. They can laugh. You can't laugh. You're supposed to have my back. Girl over there snorting. <laughs> he thinks he's all that. He just said it backwards. Hush. Repent, I say unto thee, you foul spirit. <laughs> Bishop, Bishop feels led to coach me. Did y'all hear him? He said, you don't get good to get God. 
I'll get there, Bishop. I'm trying to clear my head right now about bad-mouthing my wife in front of all these people. <laughs> I'm starting to think about the fallout of my disobedience towards my wife right now. <laughs> I'm trying to think, am I going to be at home alone tonight? <laughs> this sermon's minor right now. God, I got to make things right with you. We get it backwards, don't we? We think we got to get good first to get God. Listen, you come to God, he'll handle the, the good part. We think, I don't qualify to be a follower. I'm not perfect. God specializes in imperfect people. He actually can't stand those that think they're perfect. I want to be a part of a small group. Shoot, man, for that matter, Pastor Tommy, I kind of even feel like leading a small group. But don't look too close because our marriage isn't right. Don't look too close. I'm, my, I've got some credit card debt. Don't look real close. My kids, they, they, they crazy. <laughs> Guys, listen. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the follower. If you'll just come down from the tree like Zacchaeus and just say, look, I've done some things and I'm, I'm embarrassed of some things, but from this day on, I'm a follower. And Jesus says, from this day on, salvation's found your house, brother. All I need to know is, are you willing to follow? Are you willing to say, I'm going I'm, I'm to follow. I'm going to go all in. My soul's going to follow. What's your soul? I'm going to start thinking differently. I can't say that I, I'm going to react differently, but if I can just back up and get my thoughts right, I know my choices are going to be better. Yeah. And so how am I going to do that? And that means I'm going, to, I'm going to allow the love and the presence of God into my mind. And I'm going to start doing things differently. Somebody say amen. amen. Everybody say follow. follow. You're following somebody. And if you're not happy with where you've shown up, uh, I, I, I think it might be smart to maybe follow something different. Now this is where we struggle. It's like if we're at Walmart and we're out in the parking lot and we see each other and I say, hey, man, y'all want to come over? Y'all want to come over for some tacos? And you'd be like, I, I don't know where you live. And I'd be like, don't worry about it. Just follow me. I'd I, I like to know where I'm going. Don't worry about it. Just follow me. Just fall right in behind me and we're going to go. And then you know what happens typically. I'm, I, I have a tendency to go a little bit, just a touch above the speed limit. So about 60 and a 30. And I'll be running down Wilshire. And you'd be like, uh, 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 slow down, slow down. I don't know where I'm going. Most of us are hesitant to follow because you're so concerned about the destination. I, I, I want to follow him, but I'm not sure where he's going to take me. I don't, I don't want him to take me up on that platform having a sing. I want to follow, but I don't know if I want to be out there having to make coffee. I, I don't even like coffee. I want to follow, but, but, but you know, I, I just... I just don't know what they're going to expect of me. What is God going to do in me? I want to follow, but I don't want to be that guy that cries in church. And I don't, I don't know. You ready? The destination is not even a where. A destination is who you become. You're worried about where it's going to take you. And God's more worried about who you're going to become. Yeah. 
Your choice to follow is not about a place. It's a who. Let me close like this. If Jeff can come help me close today. I just, just need him to help me here. Let me wrap it up. Everybody remember Genesis 5, Genesis 6, Genesis 7. Those three chapters tell the story of Noah. Noah built a boat known as the ark. And it's odd because everybody has their own different ideas of how long it took him to build that boat. Some people say 100. Some people say 120. And, and it's interesting. I never even knew there were debates on it. I never knew that it was kind of a contentious thing. You start reading different commentaries and, and they start arguing about how long it took. It, it doesn't matter. The fact is, it took a while. And the Noah, <laughs> Noah probably went into it thinking that the end result, the where he was trying to get, the destination was a completed boat. He probably started out on a napkin, he sketched a boat, then he probably, you know, he, he took it to a computer program and, and, and sketched it out that way, and then he probably made a clay model. And he thought, where I'm getting this to a completed boat. It needs to be this tall, this wide, because that's what God said. It needs to be made of this wood. Man, it's about the boat, it's about the boat, it's about the boat. That's where I'm going. Where are you doing? I'm building a boat. Why? Because i got to get the boat built. And it took a long time. Ready? Don't sign up to follow Jesus just for a day. Be in it for the long haul. The purpose of the boat was not to build a boat. Noah's decision to follow him into the construction years actually saved humanity. I hope you see this. The boat didn't save them. Noah's decision to follow did. And some of you in this room today need to make the decision that you're going to follow Jesus for your future. Well, how long just to get through this job interview? Oh, it's not where he's wanting to take you. How long during our premarital counseling? No. How long until my kids get out of school? No. You're looking at the wrong destination. The final outcome of your following Christ should be, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained Everyone say remained faithful. It's not aware. God's calling you, wanting you to follow Him into faithful living. And I can promise you this much if you'll follow Jesus, He's going to take you into inaccessible places in life, and you're going to do impossible things things you can't do on your own you'll experience things that you'll never experience by yourself he wants to take you somewhere to faithfulness I want you to stand with me 
man, I sure have enjoyed this today with you. And here's how we're going to close. And I need everybody paying attention or you're going to be that one oddball in the room. So everybody focus. You do not want to be the oddball in the room. I'm fixing to invert. We're fixing to flip. We're going we're gonna to completely invert the response to the sermon today. Almost every time I preach, I have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. And I'm looking for that one. I'm looking for those five. I'm looking for that eight that says the response. Today, the only one that should leave their hand down today is the individual that says, I choose to go my own direction. I'm going to do it my own way. I don't want the Jesus way and I don't want the Word of God's way. I have made up my mind. I'm going to follow my flesh. You may say, why why are you going to put that kind of pressure on us? Because that's what I do. Because you're sheep. I'm a sheep unto him. And he's asked me to do this part. Leading you to being a follower. So all over this room, bow your head and close your eyes. Quickly, if you know that you know that you know that you're not perfect, but you're willing to say to the Lord, I'm all in. I'm going to follow you. Lift your hand quickly. Leave it up. Lift your hand and leave it up. Father God, I pray over every hand that's lifted in this room. There are men and women, Lord, of all color. There are men and women, Lord, of all backgrounds. There are men and women and children and students in this room, Lord, that, 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 that we all admit that none of us have it all together. But one thing that we do agree on, Lord, is that we want to follow you. And we're not following you into jobs, into, into relationships, into, into plans. We know that all of that will come if we just follow you into our character, morals, ethics, into our faithful lifestyles. So, Father, right now, I pray a blessing over every hand that's lifted, especially every family unit that's represented. Bless them real good. Bless them with the faithfulness just to keep going, the faithfulness to keep trying, the faithfulness to hang in there, picking up ox goads and whipping the enemy every day they can, faithfulness just to wake up putting one foot in front of the other. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's clap our hands one last time. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Go buy you some strawberries. Enjoy your lunch. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for midweek. And make sure you get signed up for your small group. God bless you. You're dismissed.